Hey everybody, it's Nick, and just waiting for Ryan to come in, and apparently Podbean is still having problems with music, so we're not going to be able to put music on this episode again. So, Ryan, hey Ryan, what's up? Hey, no music again? No music again, it's buffering, and I even had it set up before we started, like a half hour ago, to come in and play. Oh. Stupid. Bummer. We'll just have to like come along in the background of whatever right. the others talking. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yep. All right. Welcome everybody to the It's Too Wordy Comic Book Podcast, where a couple of buddies talk about comics from their childhood and today. I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And today we are hitting the letter Y, so we're almost done with the alphabet. And uh we are going to be covering. <laughs> oh, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, and this was my idea, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and today we're going to be covering Shang-Chi, number one. And because I know there's that one person out there listening that wanted to hear our Goosebumps review, it finally came out. We have it. We have Goosebumps, Secret of the Swamp, number one as well. Oh. Where do we want to start, Nick? Well, I think we should give people what they want and do Goosebumps, Secret of the Swamp. Sounds like a plan. All right. So, okay, this book I was excited for, and I started reading it, not excited anymore. <laughs> so it's written by Marieke Ninjkamp, or Nykamp? I didn't say Nykamp, but... Nykamp. Um, artist is Yasmin Flores Montanez. I know, I know, I'm not going to speak it in perfect Spanish, but come on, I'm in Nebraska. Um, this this book is about a gamer who hangs out with other gamers who, well, she's a loner and she likes to hang out only online with friends, and she goes to a place called. What is this horrible place called? <laughs> I mean, they're just going to this place, and the street signs just say swamp and town. There's, oh, it's Fever Swamps. That's the town they're going to. Like, her mom is taking her on vacation. And she's like, well, there's a girl in town that plays the same game you play. Oh, great. And... <laughs> They meet up and she's like, well, I'm not, I'm not intimidated by you, blah, blah, blah. You're not invincible. You're playing a game, guys. Is this really how kids talk to each other who play like Warcraft to each other? I have heard this conversation with (laughs) my son and daughter, so maybe they do a little bit. (laughs) Oh, well, they're, 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 they consider themselves monster hunters, so they're actually going to do some actual real monster hunting in the swamps at night. And they're like, well, this is dumb. This is really dumb. And let's do it. Sweet. Okay, great. And they go out and they run into a werewolf. Oh my God. So epic. Um, This would be fine if I was maybe 10. Like, oh, spooky. But, it's nothing. It's it's Goosebumps sometimes had creepy moments in it. This has nothing. I mean, this showed you the monster like right away. See, this is know. my I think I may have got a free comic book day goosebumps at some point, but this is really my only foray into it outside of the movies. Yeah. And I always heard that they were a little uh more suspenseful than the way this went. And I was expecting a lot of suspense considering we waited three weeks for this stupid thing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, what it reminds me of a little bit is a, Oh, what is it? Um, Lumberjanes. At one point, Kirk, you and I read, ran Lumberjanes, and it didn't make a lot of sense. 
Uh, it wasn't like the earlier stuff where they were in the woods and there was, a, you know, these mythical creatures and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that was like um, episode or uh, issue 70 something. Yeah. Yeah. It was a later run on it. And, you know, that was a fun, th- those were fun stories. The early issues were really fun stories. Um, this felt like it took three of those issues and crammed it into one book is what it felt oh, yeah. like. Um, but they did a better job building the suspense than the lumberjanes. Well, they had so, more time. I don't know why yeah. they just crammed it all into one. My honest opinion, if you got a kid that's into the goosebumps, get it for me. If you're into goosebumps, just read lumberjanes. Or if you're into goosebumps, just go read the books. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I started reading them when Sophie was little, just so I could read them to her when she's older, so I know mm-hmm. if they're okay or not. Right, and right. Some of them are really actually pretty creepy. Some of them are not, but this just, it's missing that that feeling of R.L. Stein, mm-hmm. like the way he added certain things into every story, the way he, yeah. he uh, timed his his progressions. And this one just felt like, Hey, we got these characters. We're going to make them go meet a monster now. Mm-hmm. Not worth waiting three weeks for. No. Uh, you know, if we didn't wait three weeks, you know, <laughs> I might have said, yeah, it's okay. Right. But, uh, you know, you have that buildup of three weeks. It's like, this better be really good. Yep. No, it's not. <laughs> All right. So we want to swing on over to Shang-Chi. Yeah, let's do that. There is a crap ton of covers out for this. I'm not no. super familiar okay. with Shang-Chi, but I didn't realize he was that popular. He's been around since like the early 70s. Yeah. Wouldn't really call him popular, but his series did last for quite a while. I'm not quite sure how long um, Master of Kung Fu stayed out, but it was, I think, in the hundreds. Really? Yeah. That is crazy. Because I know I've seen a lot of the Master of Kung Fu books, just, again, haven't really ever read any of them. Um to really know the character at all. Let's see. How many issues did that go? I'm just checking the issue number on it because I think you're right. I think it did go up into the hundreds. Right. 113. Yep. Yep. Wow. And that, that depends on if you're adding in the, the magazines too. Because there are some black and white magazines also. So this was like at the height of um, what was that Kung Fu TV show? Was it Kung Fu? It's just called Kung yes. Fu. <laughs> it was right at that time. Um, right at the height of Bruce Lee. Uh, okay. So yeah. Um, I read quite a bit and you said you haven't. So what was your take on this? Um, oh, hum, oh, hum. And when, when I bought this, they were like, I heard really good things about this. And I'm like, well, finally, somebody actually might have brought Shang-Chi back into what he was before. And I will say, um, the Iron Fist from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Did this story so much better? That Brubaker run? Yes. Yeah. This was okay, but, you know, when you have characters that you don't have licenses to anymore, like Fu Manchu, mm-hmm. who is Fu Shang-Chi's father, and you have to change him up and give him a different name, change some of the story along. And this this just reminded me of a Iron Fist story. This didn't have anything really specifically about Shang Chi, you know. Right. He 
he's the typical nice guy. You know, he was an Avenger. He was a hero for hire. He, he just de- wants to defend people. Right. There's nothing really mystical about him like Iron Fist. But, you know, he's just a complete badass. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, he got a job at a bakery because he's nice and he wants to learn how to, like, hold down a real job. I mean, he's a spy, for God's sakes. And everybody in in Chinatown knows who he is, knows what he was. He's got – I don't know. I mean – that reminded me of a Jackie Chan movie that I've seen at some point where he was right. working in a bakery or something. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, the part I got excited about was they made Thing Fang Foom in here. Look yes. Amazing. Yeah, they did. That was that was probably the highlight is seeing Thing Fang Foom in here. I wasn't super crazy about the art. I love that Brubaker run on Iron Fist. I really did. Um I thought they felt, got the character well. They really developed it. Um, this, I, I was hoping for something, and it just, I feel like they were, they felt like they had to give this massive background, which I appreciated since I had no idea what was actually happening with this character. But, um, yeah. It was all right. I'm not a fan. Um, probably not going to pick up anymore. And I really wanted it to be because I really liked the old stuff. Mm-hmm. I liked him getting fresh off the boat from China, going into New York City, not wearing any like any shoes, walking around town, getting beaten up by, or trying to get, or people like trying to fight him because he's this Chinaman right off the boat with no shoes, living in Central Park as a homeless guy. I mean the utter racism in the old Shang-Chi is just like, holy crap. Oh my God. Like I just, it just makes you want to read it and like be hit back in that 1970s mindset of like crazy people. Right. Right. Like, Oh, some of the stuff in there. I mean, they, they constantly calling him yellow, um, uh, Chinaman, and just other other stuff. There's some there's some other stuff in there that's just like you would never print today. Right. Yeah. But and you know, I understand why they've gone away from doing that stuff. Um No, I'm saying I'm not saying it has a place anymore, but it no. it it brings you back. Like comics are a time capsule that show you what it was like back in that day. Oh, absolutely. And, and just Seeing that, you know, is like holy crap. How? Why would you ever want to live near these people? <laughs> like, why, would you, why? Why would you ever want to live in New York in 1975? I have no idea. I'm like, like when you watch Superman the movie mm-hmm. from the late 70s, and you're like, Times Square looked like a crap hole. <laughs> Why did anybody go there? There's uh, adult bookstores everywhere. There's a porno theater. There's homeless people all around. There's just dirt everywhere. Why would you ever want to live in New York? Right. Like, ugh. So. All right. So what do you give that? Oh. (laughs) Like a two? Yeah, and that's just based off the Fing Fang Foom image. Right. I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Yeah. I I really wanted to like it. Just, once again, you know, it seems like if it's not an X character, they're not... They're just throwing stuff at walls and seeing what sticks. Yep, pretty much. All seems right. to be what they're doing. What'd you, so what would you rate it, then? I'd give it a two. Yeah. Definite two. Um, read the story before when it was called Iron Fist. I mean, come on. He went back to Kunlun and fought his family. Yeah. And that's exactly what this is. The different the different fists. Yeah. 
I was like, huh, all right, read this before. Moving on. <laughs> yep. And it's sad because I really like him. I was really excited when they put him back in the Avengers, when he went to Heroes for Hire, you know, but now, um, I don't know, maybe my love for like old Bruce Lee stuff is dead. I like Bruce yeah. Lee, don't get me wrong, but I'm not 20 years old anymore. I don't want to watch Kung Fu movies that much. <laughs> Maybe it's because I, I had the chance and I gave up and now I'm too old to do it. <laughs> yeah, they had a place to, and time too. Yeah, called Rumble in the Bronx. And that was the <laughs> height. <laughs> it's like... All right, man. Let's move on. All right. So now on to our characters with the letter Y. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and go first. Sure. So my character is Yelan Gurr. And he was a one-time Green Lantern of Sector 2814. And this is coming from the Green Lantern... Uh, volume 3, Issue 19 series is the uh, special 50th anniversary issue, the Alan Scar original Green Lantern Returns. So the whole premise of it is um, at some point the Justice Society got banished and they just disappeared from Earth. And so it starts off with Jon Stewart when he was dealing with the whole mosaic thing and trying to figure out why... Um, why him? Why is he stuck doing it? He really wants to yell at the Guardians and tell them to forget it. He doesn't want the job. And uh, a vision of Alan Scott appears to him and says, come find me. He says something inspirational, come find me. And then it switches over to Hal and Hal's going out recruiting lanterns for the rebuild the core. And uh, he runs into and this is an amazing issue, except for one character, Dobie Dickles. <laughs> I can I just have a very hard time reading the Bronx speak that he does the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's married to a queen on the planet, and Hal's sitting there talking to him, and all of a sudden, uh, Alan Scott Vision shows up over the top of this baseball field, and tells Hal something inspirational, come find me. And then moves over to Guy, same thing. And they decide that they need to go talk to uh, Harley Quinn, not Harley Quinn, the Joker sidekick, but Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn, um, Alan Scott's former love interest, who uh, was the mother of his two children. And when they get to her house, she goes, the only thing that he left behind as any kind of a clue is his lantern. And she dumps the lantern out of this bag. And all of a sudden a vision of Alan Scott appears and they're like, how are you doing this? And he goes, after Alan has charged this ring with me so many times, this is the visual representation of him and I can't sense him anymore. I know he's still fighting a battle, but I can't figure out where he's at. I need your help finding him. And they start questioning whether or not they should be trusting this vision. And Guy even points out, he's like, and he's not even related to us as far as lanterns go, because, I mean, he's got a weakness against wood. We're yellow. He's got a weakness against wood. So the vision's like, okay, we're going to take you back in time. And I'm going to introduce you to how Alan came about. So then they jump back in time. Now, the neat thing about this book is they had like Joe Stanton do a section of it. They had, um, Mart, uh, Martin Odell do a portion of it. You know, the guy that created Green Lantern. And so they broke it down into four sections or four or five sections. And so they had a different writer for each one. And it's just, it, you know, it's even driving them more home now 
that I'm reading a book about this stuff and understanding where his line of thought was when he created these characters. And anyhow, so they go back to China um, and there's a guy wearing yellow and he's riding, trying to take over the lands. And the Green Lantern, Yalan Gar, shows up. Now this is, if you know the representation of the Chinese dragon, it's a Chinese dragon wearing a Green Lantern costume. Is what it is. And he's pushing back these guys that are trying to take over. Um, and he has no weakness against wood. He has no weakness against yellow. Nothing. He's like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm powerful. Nobody can stop me. Well, the Guardians started thinking he was getting kind of a bit too big for his head. Um, kind of like Sinestro did. He started trying to manipulate the world the way he wanted, just like Sinestro tried to manipulate Korgor into his image. And the peasants all got really irritated about it, and they decided to just fight him. So they were no longer afraid of him. They turned it, it turned into rage. And the Guardians decided they were going to give a weakness to um, Yelengar, and it was to wood. And the reason it was the wood, because that all the peasants had wood. And trying to show you should never be bigger than the people that you're trying to help. And he goes up and he talks to the guardians after he escapes and is like, why did you do this? And they're like, you got too big for your britches, essentially. And instead of making it a so in so the way it worked was that he was it kind of went through the three stages of why me and then rage and then he's okay with it type deal and so they were talking about how um the lantern when it was first found by alan scott uh was speaking and said basically um you know we're Somebody's got to die. Somebody's got to um, live. And, I mean, just several things like that. And the Yalinger is now a part of the Lantern. And he went through those three stages. And that's how Alan Scott became the hero that he was. Well, the whole purpose of it was was one stage was addressing the issues John was having, another stage was addressing the issues Hal was having, and another stage was addressing the issues that Guy was having. And how Alan Scott kind of got them all together, even though it wasn't the real Alan Scott, and saying, don't be like this, Yolong Gur, and live appropriately. Oh, so there you go. That was my book. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that um, yours is serious because mine is totally not. <laughs> so I was going to do Yellow Jacket, right? Okay. Finish up the Hank Pym Ultron. Yeah. Simon Williams thing. No, I started reading one and I just, I didn't care. Like. <laughs> It was the his trial when he was on trial for um, treason, mm -hmm. and I I just was like, okay, so it's typical old Avengers where you have four issue four pages of story with the main person on the cover and then nothing else, right? So I was like, you know what, he's not even on trial here. I'm just I'm not even going to read this. I mean, he's barely in this book. So I was like, okay, there's not that many whys. But I did find Yankee Poodle from Captain Carrot and the Amazing Zoo Crew. <laughs> oh, my word. <coughs> so I read Captain Carrot, Volume 1, Number 1, from March 1982 by Roy Thomas. Nice amazing this man has had a career you know it, um, captain carrots created by roy thomas jerry conway and scott shaw so you have like 
some pretty big names creating this goofy character. So uh, let's just say Captain Carrot is a rabbit, right? He comes from a world that they describe as only seen on cereal boxes or Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> he's, he's hopping around, right? And he's with Superman because apparently in Teen Titans number 16, there was a sneak preview of this. Mm-hmm. And they got hit... Well, Superman got hit with a beam out of space and got transported to this crazy world that he he calls Funny Animal World. And Captain Carrot takes a great... He's like, hey, hey, buddy. No, we're not funny animals over here, all right? Pink skin. And <laughs> these um, bolts from space just keep coming, and they're they're starting to affect the people that live on the planet. They're reverting all the animals to kind of devolving their brains into acting like their original, like what they evolved from. Like the pilots for a plane got devolved and they were an ostrich and a kiwi, right? They're the pilots and they got devolved and their flight was bird. So they have no idea how to fly a plane. <laughs> So Superman has this idea. He's like, let's go, let's go out into space and we'll see if that barrier is still there. I don't know how they found out a barrier was there because I never read that Teen Titans. Right. But so they go out. Superman flies into it, gets knocked out of it, but then he gets taken away. He just like kind of like zaps out of existence and he's gone. So Captain Carrot, whose real name is Roger Rabbit. Who he used to be uh, a comic book artist who created a whole bunch of like characters, and he was like, I never would have dreamed in my whole life that I would have superpowers, but I'm way outmatched here. I'm going to have to go find the other what seven or five other characters or other people that got hit by this beam, like like I did, or they they actually didn't get hit by a beam; they got hit by green rocks. So they got, and that gave them superpowers. So he goes galvanting around and he, he finds a guy named pig iron who is a giant iron pig, right? That's so imaginative. He's the swine of steel. (laughs) (laughs) His his real name is Peter pork chops. He got, he got hit with the, the boulder and fell into a bunch of like molten like molten iron and limestone and he came out as a giant metal pig <laughs> then they're they're like okay hold on let's let's go find somebody else and so everybody they meet they have to do an origin story and they're always like oh god can i just sit down now we've been through like six of these right <laughs> oh i guess it's time for your origin story kind of stuff and um they come across a cat with a magic wand and her name is Ali Catabra. She mm. got hit. She got hit with the thing with the, the rock. And also she transformed it into a magic wand. If I remember right. So she can do magic from it. Okay, great. Her name, real name is Felina fur. So just so you know, Yep, yep, yep. She she turned uh, the rock into her. Yep. Okay. So then they are like, okay, well, we got to go to Cornsus and meet a guy named Fastback, who is a turtle with the powers of the Flash. Mm. Yep, he's a turtle with powers of Flash, and he has a southern accent, which is pretty funny. He's like, I'll just possum trot clockways around this here hurricane, like stuff like that. He just talks like that, right? <laughs> I don't know which way to turn. That's how I hear him in my head. And then they're <laughs> like, now we have two more that we need to find. So there's five. We have two more and we have to go. 
to the LA, you have to go to LA, right? And they describe LA as a marvel of modern engineering with clover leaves of, to nowhere, off ramps to oblivion, talking people who'd rather stay home to places they'd rather not be. Yeah. Um, I guess Roy Thomas is not like LA. And the beam comes down and it affects a lot more people and two, two superheroes show up and one is named rubber duck and his real name was okay. Now get this. His real name is bird rentals. He is a star of stage screen and screeching tires. So he's bird rentals, bird rentals, bird rentals. And there is a poodle dressed in patriotic clothing. And she is Yankee Poodle. Her real name is Rova Barkett. And she is a gossip colonist. Right? Um, (laughs) So she was interviewing she was interviewing Bird and they both got hit with the rocks. And he, like rubber duck he's he's a uh, plastic man pretty much right so he's in this tub he's in a hot tub getting interviewed he stands up and he's like the shape of the tub and she's like oh man i better go uh call somebody and she reaches out her right hand and blue blue stars come out and they push the phone over and with her left hand she calls things back to her and it takes the form of the stars and stripes or the, the stripes from the flag. So she has the power of animal magnetism. Uh, yep. One hand revolts, one hand like pulls back. And this is, this is where this book goes nuts. It's not already nuts, but this is where it gets nuts. So they, they all band together and they're going to go to Pluto. They found out where this beam is coming from and they're going to go confront this. Right. And they get through the barrier. They get to Superman, who's all tied up in kryptonite. And you find out that the person that's messing with this town or this this world is Starro. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to read what Starro says here, right? They're like, "Uh, I am not what, you feather-brained fool. I am a who. Starro the Conqueror, to be precise, destined master of the universe, overlord of the cosmos, and future sergeant-at-arms of every Kiwanis club in Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's pretty much how you get Starro in this. He, uh, he describes that he first encountered Superman years ago when he fought the memorable battle with his Justice League of America. Justice League of America number one, right? Mm-hmm. He says, I lost. Later, I got blasted to smithereens by a hero, by the hero Aquaman in a free-for-all that nobody remembers. I have no idea. So they're making fun of that, too. And Starro, they each try to attack Starro with their own one-at-a-time thing, and he wipes the floor with them. Just completely wipes the floor. It doesn't matter what they do. He's Starro. He's the the conqueror from space. And then, like, wait a minute. Let's let's do what the Justice League did. Let's do it as a team. And you get the classic Justice League number one with Starro getting, you know, people wrapped up in his tentacles, that look. Yeah. And they make really easy work of him. They just stand on him and they're like, wait a minute. You know what? You know what starfish hate? Iron. Like, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> oh, they're allergic to limestone. That's what they, that's what, what they put um, pig iron on him. They, they extract all the, the limestone out of pig iron and put it on Starro and he starts to evaporate. Uh, yeah. And, 
Superman says, hey, thanks. Okay, see you later. Bye. And it's done. <laughs> it's insane. This book is insane. I can't yeah. wait to read more. Roy Thomas does have a lot to say 100% of the time. I know, right? No matter what character. Yep. Oh, wow. I've read, I read that, but I, it's been such a long time ago that I read it that I kind of forgot about some of that stuff. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, let's see. Goings on at uh, Krypton. They just bought a huge collection of you name it. Um, somebody brought in their toy collection and they just purchased it up and they're going to piece things together and try to get some complete characters out of it and stuff like that. So that's always a good thing. Um, got a whole bunch of new pops in, new comic books constantly. Yeah. Some new shelving that looks really nice. So definitely check that out. I think I've mentioned that before, but uh, it is really impressive. So. Yeah. That's about it for them right now. All right. So that takes us to our random reads. And I am super excited about one of them. I'm going to save that until the end. Um, so I've got four or five with a special one I have. Um, so... The first one I have is Autumnal, Autumnal, A U T U M A N A L. Not sure how you pronounce it. By Volt, it's number one, and um, the artwork in this reminds me very much like. Uh, Are you reading a tumnal? A tumnal, yes. Oh, okay. The art reminds me of uh, the guy that does the the. Oh, I'm blanking on his name. The paint artwork with uh, Bendis all the time. Ugh. I'm blanking. Yeah, there, there's one guy that does uh, books with my, Brian Michael Bendis all the time. He's got a paint style. That's what this artwork looks like to me. And um, this was an interesting read. I'm very anxious to see where it goes. Um it's a single mother with a, a daughter, you know, obviously a daughter, or obviously a single, obviously she's got a kid. Let me put it that way. Single mother, has a kid, and um, she's going to the principal's office because the kid got into a fight. And she basically blows the principal off and says, this is how my kid is. You know, I taught her to defend herself. If somebody's picking on her, she's going to take the fight to him. And... They go out and get into a cab, and the daughter's like, hey, all our stuff's in here. And she's like, yeah, um, Grandma passed away. We're going to go back, and somebody, or she left us our, her house. So they're going back home to see, or to for the funeral. The daughter hasn't seen the mom in years. Um, wasn't raised very well. She was kind of forced to defend for herself. And so she's really trying to make up with it with her daughter and being a little bit more uh, involved in her life and uh, helping her. And the daughter's all upset. She's like, why are you upset? You haven't even ever met your grandma. She's like, still death sad. She's like, yeah. And they get to this town and it is just, it's called Comfort Notch. America's home to America's prettiest autumn. And the mom's like, well, I have, you know, I haven't been here since I was a kid. Uh, I forgot how beautiful this looks because they're getting there right in the middle of fall. And their biggest export is the trees. And the daughter picks up a leaf and is holding it up to her face. And this guy comes up out of nowhere and goes, don't do that. And grabs a leaf out of her hand. And, 
starts and he's like, you know, you got to worry about pesticides and uh, runoff, dog pee, that kind of thing. Just don't want her having that all over. And uh, they're like, we need to get to the funeral home. She, he's like, well, why? You know, most people don't stay around, you know, maybe grab a bite to eat and get out of town. And they're like, well, my mom died. She's like, oh, okay, well, here's the funeral home. It's a closed casket. Nobody's at the funeral home. Um, and there's a couple of flashback scenes. And then she goes up to the coffin, opens up the coffin um, because there's nobody else there. And she slams it real quick and runs out the door with her daughter. And I'm going to leave it at that because there is a part at the very end that is quite the surprise. This is going to, I think, going to be a fantastic read. It's got that kind of horror sense to it. Um, they did it just enough to catch your interest, but it's not enough to give everything away like Goosebumps did. Um, the next one I had was Batman the Three Jokers. Um, this is a black label book. I just actually read one and two re um, because two just came out. Um, this is fantastic. Jeff Johns is doing the writing on it. And then uh, Jason Fabok is the artist. Um, I will hand it to Johns. He really does the research. He, he, when he's writing a story, he does the digging and gets everything set up. So it all still makes sense. Um, this is a hefty price tag. It's seven bucks. But if you're not reading it, absolutely read it. I think it's going to be one of the premier Joker stories ever told. It is great. Um, then I also picked up the black label Hellblazer rise and fall, um, by Tom Taylor and Derek Robertson. And this is, um, it's just a story about John Constantine and how he, and it kind of gives a background about when he was growing up. And, uh, so you get to learn that a little bit about John and, the friends he has or had when he was a kid. And then all of a sudden um, jumps to the future and people are showing up naked with angel wings stitched into their body. And so these cops are trying to figure out who it is. And John shows up knowing one of the cops and it's like, this is absolutely a magical issue. We've got to take care of this. And they start teaming up. Um, is the first issue. I have a lot of faith in Tom Taylor. I'll be seeing where it goes, but I thought that was actually really good too. Almost done. Promise. Um, then the most recent books of magic run ended. Um, Nick and I are doing a books of magic podcast. Uh, hunting Timothy. Um, and one of my biggest complaints about that volume two that we're doing is there's not a lot of reference back to the original four part miniseries. A couple of points that they bring up here and there, but not a lot of reference. Um, I don't know what volume this is. This is like five now, I think. But I could not believe the tie-ins that they jump back to from that original miniseries in this book. Um, and just because of that is probably one of the best books I read this last couple of weeks. Definitely worth checking out any of the books of magic series. Um, it's a good little compendium for the show that we're doing on the volume two. All right. The final thing, the thing I'm most excited about. So <clears throat> a while back, I helped fund a Kickstarter um, for Omug Comics. And the first comic that I helped fund, I have funded three of them. The first comic I helped fund came in today and came in autographed. They sent me a sticker. They actually even put my name in the back of the book, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, it is 
Lenny Vernon and the cute, cuddly Colties. This is just downright silliness and craziness and unbelievable fun. Um, Omug is a local group here in Omaha. I cannot recommend getting the book, these books from them. They do have an online website. Uh, Lenny Vernon is, I mean, the title Lenny Vernon, badass trucker. He is a trucker and he ends up fighting demons and werewolves and vampires and all of it. You need to read this book. A lot of our one shots. This is their first turn into uh, doing a three-part series, and I enjoyed it. They Lenny Vernon ends up staying at a hotel that is having a cuddly or cuddle convention, kind of like uh, a furry convention, and hijinks ensue. It's amazing. Absolutely get check it out, read it, buy it. You'll love it. Um, so that's what I got. Hey, Ryan, OMUG is O-M-U-G, right? O-M-U-G, yep. Yeah, that stands for Omaha Media, Underground uh, Comics. Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Cool. Um, I have one. So I am a huge fan of Stranger Things. So I wanted to read one of the comics. So I picked up Stranger Things Camp Nowhere number one. It's got an oh, awesome really? it's got an awesome cover of Dustin and Susie on it. And it looks just like them. But then you turn and you go inside and the art looks nothing like the cover. Okay. So this is the story of Dustin at summer camp between season two and three. And it starts out with this woman running through the the woods, kind of like a typical 80s horror movie. Mm -hmm. Um, She looks scared and frightened and she's tripping and she's screaming, no, right? And her other camp counselors are about to throw her hairdryer in 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 the lake. Okay, well, that, that kind of starts out how this book goes. <laughs> they're, they're mad that she keeps blowing all the fuses in the camp just for her hair. And they're like, this is science camp, not beauty camp. And then it switches and it, it's, it's Dustin getting off the bus. And he looks, I like, uh, like Julia Roberts' brother. Um, oh, Eric. Eric, he looks like Eric Roberts when he gets off of this bus, just with the uh, the teeth myth- missing. He looks like a 40-year-old man, and he's probably about 6'5". And Dustin's like 12 or 13. And it's, it's the let me just say, it's horrible. The, the way he looks is absolutely horrible. And he's talking about how he wishes his friends were here. And, you know how they used to play D and D and how they got complicated with stuff. And they were like, like girlfriends and monsters. And, you know, we're just not hanging out in the basement anymore. Right. And there's bullies at the summer camp for science. And, oh, Dustin, and Dustin's like, he's, he's fought monsters. He's not scared of bullies anymore. So he's like, I found out the easiest way to make bullies like leave you alone is to make smart bullies feel stupid. So he, he pretty much browbeats these kids into leaving the little ones alone. And he's now like King of the the summer camp. Right. Then it goes to the camp counselors and they're just like, you know what? We really don't have to pay attention to these kids. We just have to like help this, the teachers. We're, we're, we're like assistants, man. We don't have to do anything. So let's, let's make a bet on how many fights there are this year. Right. So they're like, there's fights at, 
at, at science camp? Uh, duh. These kids are like bottom of the barrel. And when you put all the <laughs> kids at the bottom of the barrel into a camp all their own, they're going to pretty much go uh, Lord of the Flies. Right. So <laughs> you got like smart bullies and, you know, it's like, man, he's like, this is, this is what school should be. You know, no tests, no grades, just the true adventure of learning. And he's just like making rockets and doing science experiments and stuff. And the bullies come up to him again and they're just like trying to make fun of him. And he's like, you know what you sound like? You sound like somebody who's never had a date or, ever even talked to a girl and they're like, eh, it sounds like a bunch of bullshit and you're just trying to impress people. And then he goes into like the story, but he never, he's like, okay, now what would these guys believe that I know a friend who uh, can use the force who we fought demons together. No, I'm just going to leave it at that. And then he starts talking about Dungeons and Dragons and all the kids really want to play. And he's like, well, I don't have any books. And he gets talked into being a dungeon master. And he's like, oh, crap. What did I get myself into? Right? Because just knowing D&D doesn't make you able to be a DM. Right. And doing D&D, like, first edition or second edition that they do in the, in the movie or the show is impossible without books. It's impossible. Stupid. Uh Thacko crap. <laughs> Have you ever played D&D Second Ed? Oh my god. So, yeah. Um, you have to... It, like the best... Uh, armor class is a zero. So if you hit a 17, you have to subtract that from something to get to as close to zero. And it's like, Why? Why this doesn't make any goddamn sense. So sometimes you have you hit something for 17, but they have a, a armor class of like negative 13. And you're like, oh my god, oh my god, oh god, what the hell? But so one of the camp counselors goes back to their place and she pops a beer. And there's this thing with blood all over him. There's, he's wearing a cloak. He's wearing this weird tentacly mask and he's got a knife and that's the end. So apparently there's some kind of serial killer at this camp that was never brought up at all in the, in the show. So it's like, um, I don't know if I like tie-ins for movies and shows that I've seen that don't reference any of this. <laughs> Dustin never said anything when he came back. Susie never said anything when she came, you know, about a serial killer at camp. Never said anything about it. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to re finish it. I mean, I think it's like one of four. So there's three issues left. I I wanted to see what he did there. I don't really care about um, American Horror Story adding in. Yeah, it is. I will say at the shop, um, that is what the kids are reading. A lot of kids are coming in. They were getting this Stranger Things books. They absolutely love them. Um, I've never read one myself. But I'm kind of like that, too. It's like I don't really want to read a comic as spinoff of a show I like. Because I feel like it would probably just water it down and not make me enjoy it any longer. Right. So we have a special guest tonight. We'd like to welcome Scott. Hey, Scott. How's it going? So we're going we're gonna to see if we can try something new. So we're going to try to bring in, if you guys want to say or bring a comic book review in, just email me at 2wordy at yahoo.com and we can put you on the air and you can do a review with us. Um, Scott, I can't, I can't hear you. 
but so um yeah um we like like ryan said that we do a podcast called uh, hunting timothy that we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit between when scott gets on um it's the second episode comes out this friday first episode is quite long it's about an hour and 15 minutes and we talk about the first hey scott Testing. Hey, Scott. Testing. How's it going? <laughs> oh, no. It's having oh, problems. He was so close. Yep. That's okay. Um, we will get to talk to Scott next time, but let's do uh, the top ten list. Or in this case, the top five list because there's yes. a lot of X's out there. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I will go ahead and go. Um, my number five is Zen the Monkey King, four Zorin, three Exo Man of War, two X Man, number one X. From Dark Horse. Nice. Uh, we're probably going to have the same, pretty much the same list, just in different orders, because there's not a lot of X characters, unless you want to just name the X-Men. This is X-Wolverine. This is X-Sabertooth. This is X. All right. Uh, number five, X-23. Number four, X-Man, or Nathan Gray. Did I say number four? Number three is X. Number two, Exo Man of War. And number one, X51 or Machine Man. Nice. Yeah, yeah there's not a lot of X's out there. Not a lot of Y's out there. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, we got any news, Nick? Uh, yes. We do. Um, Marvel has announced something kind of cool. You know how they always uh, do the Young Guns thing, right? Like yeah. uh, when they brought up a whole bunch of new artists back in the 2000s and they did it every couple years. Like, oh, these are the new big shots at Marvel. Well, they just announced what they're calling the Stormbreakers, which is the new elite artists for Marvel. And they have exclusive deals with Peach Momoko, who is a cover artist who does stuff for Titan, Boom, IDW, Dynamite, Image, and DC. Yeah, no more. She's strictly Marvel. Really? Yep. Uh, Pat Gleason. Who we've all we've talked about Pat Gleason a lot in this show. He is now working on Spider Man. He's wait, my Pat Gleason? Yes, Green Lantern. No, Pat Gleason is now strictly Marvel. Um, Josh Kasara, who did Doctor Who, Mycroft Holmes, is now doing uh, Falcon, Secret Empire, and X Force. R.B. Silva, who did Superboy, X-Men Blue, Monsters Unleashed, Red Hood, and the Outlaws, is doing Powers of X. Or he, he did Powers of X, and I'm not quite sure what he's going to be doing now. Juan Cabal, um, he's, been, he's doing uh, all-new Wolverine, Elektra, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy. Carmen Carnero. She did Captain Marvel, Bombshells, Dragon Age, Mage Killer. She's going to be doing a new X title called X Corp. God damn it, Marvel. Nobody needs another X book. Especially one around an office of people doing accounting for, <laughs> for the X-Men. I would actually read that. I would read um, the X-Men's <laughs> accounting team. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. 
<laughs> damn it, like, yeah, damn it, cable. How many arms do we have to replace? You know how expensive those are. Um, I've been Coelho. He's done Venom, Batman Beyond, Justice League, and Deadpool. And have I said uh, Nachata, Natasha Bustos from Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, Power Rangers, Lumberjanes, Gotham Academy. They are all now strictly Marvel. Wow. Yeah, they did an announcement today and they were talking, they were like, I heard an interview with Joe Casada that I think it was C.B. Savolsky was there too. And they were both like, so what do these names have in common with you? Steve McNiven, Addy Gravnov, David Finch, Jim Chung, Oliver Coppel. Who are these, you know, he was like, oh yeah, the Young Guns back in 2004, you know. Well, we have something special today. And it's like, uh, so, okay, great. I can't wait to for you guys. I, I'm excited to see more Pat Gleason at Marvel. Just, I don't want to read Spider-Man. Like, I really like Pat Gleason's artwork. Oh, I, yeah. I, mm, I don't know. Spider-Man's just not my thing anymore. Well, you know, DC's countering. They're having JRJR do everything for them now. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, I wish they would do something where they brought in young talent and kept them. Right. Just... But what's funny is Pat Gleason is maybe a little bit younger than we are. Yeah, he's been around for a while. He's been around since 2000. Mm-hmm. So he's not a young gun. It's just he's a young gun for Marvel. Yeah. So they're they're going to relaunch also, Valiant's going to relaunch Harbinger for the eighth time in 2021. Oh, why? Uh, it's um, got art by Robbie Rodriguez, who did Spider-Gwen and is written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. I don't care. Um, Valiant, I loved you back in the day. Your titles are dead. You've mm -hmm. relaunched them so many times. And, and their special events are so confusing because you have no idea what's actually happening in any given event. Ugh. Right. And I just, I just know, I... I didn't like Harbinger the first time. I liked Exo. I liked Solar. I liked all the other ones, but I never liked Harbinger. I thought it was Armstrong. Yeah. I just read it again, and I hated it so much. Um. Yeah, Batman number one hundred, Barbara Gordon's Oracle again. Yep, saw that. Like. Couldn't you just make a new Oracle? It's not that hard. Just have somebody I, sit in a chair. I think they want to bring in a new Batgirl. Do we need another one? Absolutely. You can never After have enough Bat. Cassandra Kane and Spoiler and... I don't know. Maybe they'll bring in like Barbara Gordon from Earth 3 or Earth 5. Just and is she going to grow up or is she going to stay the same age as a teenager wearing yellow Doc Martens? Who who I don't get where they are in the continuity anymore. Like no. Is she looks like she's in her 40s in this picture I'm looking at. So they're time jumping her. Apparently, because she's back in the, the, the gray and the yellow tights. Jeez. So, I don't know. But, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Oh, which is more than I got, because I got nothing. <laughs> oh, no, I just read that Glow Season 4 is a no-go. On Netflix? Yeah. 
really Did they season four the with Vegas pulled over COVID related concerns. So is it being suspended or they're just canceling completely? They're just canceling completely. Oh, well, that's stupid. That's really cool. They just decided not to finish filming the final season. Hmm. Yeah, that's crap. Not cool at all. Nope. But all right, and that's all I got. All right. Well, I guess I'll wrap up the show for this week. Um... I am off next week. Nick, are you planning on doing a show, or are you going to just uh, wait until we get back on the following week? Oh, no, I'll probably get on here. Okay. I'll just do something quick. All right, there you go. Or I'll just be um, uh, quarantined crazy like I was that one time. <laughs> and I'll just throw out rings. crazy ideas the whole night. Uh, but when we're coming, when we come, or when we're both back, in a couple of weeks, uh, we agreed on what was the book we were going to do. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, no, it was a um, Transformers. That's right. Meets Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Yeah. All I could think of was the Glow comic book. At that, after you talked about Glow, I'm like, I know that's not it. No. So uh, we will be doing Transformers: Back to the Future. Uh, when we come back in a couple of weeks and then, you know, like I said, Nick's on next week for just a short quarantine rant, apparently. And, uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, again, if you have some time, definitely please check out our other podcast, uh, hunting Timothy, the books of magic podcast. Uh, the first episode just got dropped last week and, um, next one's coming out this Friday. So, Again, thanks for listening. Have a great night. Bye, everybody. See you guys.